We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Podcaster dismayed as he realizes he has to go back to interviewing regular schmucks. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Um, yeah, so yesterday, it's Jack Wilshire. It's Martin Odegaard. It's Vinay Venkatesham. It's Alan Smith. It's Stuart McFarlane. Today, it's Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. <laughs> and it's Paul. You can find him on Twitter. Pause my pants. Hello, pause. You dickhead. Yeah, but he's but he's right, isn't he? <laughs> um, for those of you who watched on YouTube, I would recommend it. And, and Wilsh. How's yeah, Wilsh? Odie's doing great. Uh, Jackie's good. Jackie's good. The big V, big V's cool. Yeah, it's all good. Um, for for those of you who watch on YouTube, I wouldn't recommend it today. I did London in about forty two hours, and I'm wearing it on my face today. So, uh, yeah, I thought about going camera off, but you know. This, this is the job. This is the job. Um, for those of you who didn't listen to the last podcast, why not? Uh, because you'd get to do two things. You'd get to hear Martin Odegaard, Jack Wilshire, Alan Smith, uh, um, Vinay uh, um yeah, Bloody name uh, dropper. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I name dropped them all earlier, but you know, I, the, point, the moral of the story is you, you get to hear them all. Plus, uh, some some uh, really interesting things about the artwork that was unveiled. And you'd get to hear one other little benefit. You'd get to know, learn something about me. It turns out I'm quite curious. I'm curious. Because, <laughs> you know, apparently when I'm nervous and I ask questions, all my questions are, so I'm curious. Tell me this. I wonder. I'm curious. You You're know what? Curious cat. Did, did the best I could for being as, uh, as unsettling as some of that was. But it really was a special night. I think what we'll do, um, we'll spend two minutes just summarizing it, uh, Paul and I. Uh, no, Paul wasn't there. So we'll do that. We'll do that with Clive. Then we'll spend two minutes hearing how Paul feels about that. Kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but be be before <laughs> we do good. that, I, I have to say this. And I have to try to put my words together, which I'm really struggling with over the jet lag and the exhaustion, which is just to say that like, once again, I know I said this in, in that episode, but it really was a very special night and, and it felt so amazing to be connected to the global feeling of the club in that moment. And seeing the reaction to the art, I think universally, largely it was a positive reaction. But just there is definitely a sense, setting aside what's happening on the pitch, that people feel connected to the club in a way they haven't in a long time. Obviously, we don't get asked to go and cover that event and be a part of that event if we don't have a vibrant community of supportive people who listen to us and and you know that engage with us in talking about Arsenal. So to the extent that you were a big part of that, again, I know I said it last episode, but I say it again, thank you. We've got a lot of fun things ahead, live events, fundraisers, important moments, plus covering a lot of football, and and just so thrilled to have you along uh, with us to do it. So thank you for that. Clive, in, you know, 75 minutes or less, do you have any any thoughts or any funny anecdotes you want to share um, from the night that really stand out to you? 
Uh, so many things, but I'll try to keep it brief. I think um, the night was was you know the night was a culmination of a long process, and I think that needs to be needs to be said. Um, and the long process has started with just nothing, just a group of people talking about football and trying to tell a group of artists what they cared about. And these artists were not football experts; they were artists, mm-hmm. and so it's a gap to navigate there. And um, that went on for four or five sessions, a load of offline sessions and all sorts to get to the point where we got to on, on Wednesday night. And when, and that's, I'll be honest with you, when people say things like, oh, we want to make the fans feel part of this, I'm going to get this. I can't stress to you <laughs> how much the fans were part of this. When I mean it was a blank sheet of paper, I mean it was a blank sheet of paper. And the fans drove what this looked like. Even the positioning of the banners, what was in it, the detail, everything. It was all done in a collaborative way. And that is a huge plus for the club, you know, to trust the people, to really engage the people. But also, it's a, it's a huge responsibility, mate. Honestly, on the day, on the day, I was nervous because you yeah. don't want to let anybody down. You don't want to um, people to have an adverse reaction. And you want to make sure that you feel as though you represented people appropriately. And and so, yeah, beyond excited when it all was positive and check Twitter at 601 and <laughs> and it was all it was all good. And then you have a moment to reflect amongst Arsenal people at the event, and you think, you know what, this is good. Because not just the the change in the environment of the of the banners. But all the old legends that were reconnected to the club, the people that have put a lot of blood and sweat and tears into the club could see themselves on the stadium, realise that they were important. So there's a new level of reconnection for them. And obviously there's the there's the global fan base the that can see themselves as well on there. And there's more to come with that. There's still one there's still one piece of art that people are not aware of yet that's gonna be excellent. And um and one of the best days, mate, one of the best days. Yeah. For, forget the the interviews and our exposure, as you've beautifully said, is down to the work that all of you guys have put in, all of us, including Tim, to get to this point where people respect what we say and how we say it. But also the people that listen to us, right, without them and their respectful way which they to interact with us to make sure that we improve what we do, we don't get opportunity, right? So I want to say that. I want to say thank you to everybody that supported myself and, and Paul, Tim, and Elliot over these last few years in particular because without that support, we don't we don't get this opportunity to connect you to the club in, in, in our special, in our way, in our special way. Yeah, and, and I have to admit, <clears throat> it in between absolutely shitting myself and myself and not feeling prepared to, to talk to any of these people whatsoever – you do see the, the space that we can occupy our community, you know, where everybody listening right now, the conversations that we have, what they, you know, the conversations on the Arscast and other fan created um, content, because there were sort of mainstream journalists covering the event as well. You know, Sky was there, CNN was interviewing Vinay. And, you know, you'd be having a nice conversation with a Martin Odegaard or a Jack Wilshire or Vinay, whoever it was, you know, Alan Smith. And then you'd listen to this, you know, to the Sky interview and it's like, how much are you going to spend and when are you going to spend it? You know, and it's just like, it's the same road <laughs> questions. And it's like, there's, there's space, there's scope for, for different kind of conversation to be had. And I'm glad that we can have those kind of conversations. L- look, we're not going to do the navel gazing thing a- anymore. Okay. That's in the rear view. It was wonderful. I'm going to go to the Bournemouth game at the end of March, uh, beginning of March, Bournemouth game. I think all, everything will be up on the stadium by that time. So that will be, um, that would be really fun to see, and I can't wait to do that. My thought is I could fly in like an hour before kickoff and then try to catch a plane right at full time to beat my record of being in London for the briefest amount of time ever because I am a world-class moron. <clears throat> the last thing I'm going to say, just a last quick thing, we think of Arsenal as KSE or as the board or as the players or as the manager. Highbury House is filled with so many wonderful people, and you come to an event like this and you see how the club can't function without those people. And they're fans, right? They they love the club, and working for the club is a dream come true. And like, you know, the, there are lovely people like Kate who is there. I, I want to be careful because I don't know that people want to be recognized. But Rob, who should have been there, uh, his daughter was born like two days before the event. So I want to congratulate 
him on the birth of his daughter. Okay, Paul, are you ready to shift gears away from the navel-gazing nonsense that people are desperately trying to hit the fast-forward 30 seconds button on and get to the football, or do you want to continue to uh, pick lint out of our navels? Uh, I'd like to stare into your two navels because, like, I wasn't. So this it's like mis- staring into the face of God. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> God's lint. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm intrigued by this artwork. We don't know about. Is that anything to do with the two of you standing naked with the other folks at it for some kind of do you, art do you, thing? Do you know the, they were. Do you know the roof of the Sistine Chapel? The ceiling yeah. of the Sistine Chapel. Oh. <laughs> Basically, that we did, we did, we did something. So anyway, okay, that's, that's what I thought. Um, we had an understanding that you guys would have fun, but not outrageously uh, FOMO type fun, and you guys broke that agreement. Um, <laughs> it caused me severe pain to watch you guys. I mean, I was pleased for you, but the amount of pleased I had was tiny compared to the amount of FOMO, which was absolutely massive. I think it's amazing that two boys, you, me, Elliot, remember when we were young and we talked about these things, that we get anywhere near this club or these people. I mind you, I didn't. It shows how little did. judgment it shows how little judgment there is within the organization. I I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do think it's the club is incredibly uh accessible on a relative basis to what you would th- expect or think you uh, was possible. I do think it's it, it's quite amazing. Well, but anyway, yeah. I, and I want to give you a piece of insight that I think it's life changing for me. I don't know if it will be for the listener. I don't know if if Clive really they, cared. They we, know um, us. When you order a a Jaeger bomb at Weatherspoons, <laughs> you don't get Jaeger. You get some other alcohol, <clears throat> and they don't tell you that. Uh, so Jesus I don't know what that alcohol Christ. is. Um, and I would just warn you if you're going into Weatherspoons to order a Jaeger bomb. Be advised, you, you will not get Jägermeister. So, yeah, that's just a thing you may or may not want to know. Uh, Clive, since we have been talking, the FA has decided to ban Arsenal from playing football for 10 years because, uh, I don't know, we celebrated a goal or we asked for a card. It, it is it is comical, these FA charges, but I want to touch on them just briefly. I, I think the FA are doing us a favor. I think the football world is doing us a favor. Obviously, Newcastle didn't get an FA charge for for their similar behavior. Um, Fulham, we'll, we'll get to the Chelsea Fulham thing in a moment, but like Fulham surrounding the ref for the red card for Chow Felix, um, as he's now being called Chow Felix. Um, <laughs> uh, but like, they are handing Mikel. A, a, an ability to create a siege mentality and us against them. They don't want us here. They don't want us to to do this. They don't want us to be in this position. And we're here, you know, against all the better judgment. Now, my question for you essentially is, is that the kind of thing that can become that little 5% extra motivation that you need in a season like this? Or can it become a distraction where every call you don't get, you start to feel the injustice, you feel they're out to get you, and 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 it can sap focus? Yeah, I'm not... I'm not happy with this. I think, um, but also I sort of, with experience, I know what they're trying to do, right? And they're preparing the ground for a story. And the and the story they want to write about Arsenal is we cannot deal with pressure. And that was the story end of last season. And even though we were even younger than this season and less experienced and injured and tired and a, and a smaller squad, um, that was the story from last season. And people are still not convinced by us, which is fine. That's their that's their right. And so they're preparing the ground. So any crack they can see where pressure is seeping into our mindset, they're going to ask all the questions in the press conferences. They're going to say they're going to highlight any moment where there's emotion and behaviours that manifests itself in a way that they think that we are f- cracking under the pressure. Well, actually, the season's not even halfway year. We're way above our expectations. And there, for me, there is no pressure. Obviously, there's excitement, but there is no pressure because despite you know us having sometimes been optimistic as fans, so as fans are allowed to be optimistic, none of us predicted this, right? So why can't we just enjoy where we are, knowing we're going to get better, watch the next steps with real closeness and real observe what we're doing next to try to understand where the product is going. That, to me, is the exciting things. What's the next steps going to be? How are we going to upgrade certain positions? How are we going to make sure people get loan, get the minutes they get? How are we going to get the, the loan players back in? How are we going to regenerate the squad so we can sustain three or four competitions of a higher level? 
That's the pressure for me, not what these journalists and pundits on TV are trying to lay out so we fall into a trap. We need to ignore that and, and really focus on improving as individuals that we are within the club and also making sure the players that come in fit the fit the room that we have. To me, that's the only pressure, right? Improvement. These idiots can trot off to their uh, media holes. They can trot off, mate, because I know it works. I know how it works. I know what they're trying to do. And we just got to make sure that we don't fall into the hole they're creating for us. Yeah, uh, you can use this as motivation. I mean, Jose Mourinho was the master of the siege mentality, right? You can use this. You can be distracted by it. Um, and and I think, you know, it's it's one of those things that you don't know how it's going to play out until it does. Uh, quickly, Paul, do you, do you have a concern about this? I mean, obviously, heading into the Derby, we all prepare ourselves mentally for injustice, especially given what happened in the last Derby, right? Um, I think Rob Holding kind of got what he had coming. But to be fair, I, I think that was after a penalty that for me is never a penalty. And every time I see it again, I continue to think it's not a penalty. So which which way does this fall? Is it is it the extra 5% Mikel needs or is it the distraction that can take your eye off the ball? Uh, I think we've got to watch out for the latter. Um, just looking back at the head-to-heads over the last 10 or so, uh, times we played, there's been a lot of red cards. Um, they seem to go against, uh, I'm just looking through it, I think all of the red cards go against the away side. I <clears throat> uh, see, like, there's roughly five in the last maybe 11, 12 games, and they've all gone against the away side. Um, I, I thought uh, Arsenal's response to this second can I call it indictment by the FA was interesting. They didn't, they didn't appeal it. Uh, two in two games now. Uh, what they did reply was, could they open a tab with the FA, um, which was a little worrying. Um, uh, the the thought it's a good, it's a good I had line, Paul, it was a good line. It was a good yeah, line. well, I got nothing back from you, <laughs> but uh, I'm I've got to play my own audience here. Look, <laughs> look, I. This is a this is a serious point. Unlike that last, unlike that last joke that just totally fucking flopped. And T- to be fair, the, the, the press conference has happened just like just before we started recording. So I, I'm scanning <laughs> if there's anything critical that we have to cover. But but I did hear yeah, it. Anything more? Should open it. Should open a it tab. A good Great one. line. Open a tab. It. Yep. yep. It was good you know. Um, serious point. Even if it doesn't sound like it, there should be such a thing as a uh, special teams coach for this kind of thing. we Like, we have specialist coaches for set pieces. We should have somebody responsible in the club for organizing how we work a referee, how we work professional situations within the game. I actually think we're genuinely bad at it and have been for a decade or a decade and a half. Um, you know, the whole Jose Mourinho thing is something that worked for him. Probably doesn't work for most other clubs to try it, but we're not very good. You know, Chelsea have been very good at working referees for a long time. It's not just a teams up in the north can get decisions. Um, and I wonder why, uh, and maybe they do something like this, but there should actually be somebody who, who organizes how we work a game, work a referee, work professional situations, work free kick, like the whole psychology of the, not only on the ball, off the ball, but when the whistle has been blown stuff. Um, and maybe that happens, but it really ought to be a thing we get. If we're going to compete with the big boys, you have to get the big decisions and big games. And there's a whole psychology that goes on beyond uh related to that beyond what goes on while the ball's in play um be kind of inter- it's kind of interesting that never comes up as a topic for anybody any team out there in terms of how they manage this stuff i i know the red mist descends and so you lose everybody's mind but that can be something prepared for like there can be people within the team whose job is not just to keep everybody cool but to manage a situation to our advantage but this game coming up, we'll have some big moments, big decisions, red cards, big fouls, uh, all penalties, all of that stuff uh, are in play. And uh, um, like the other thing I think as a club and as supporters is we can't get caught up in this thing and we can't like, uh, I don't think there's a good side to it for Arsenal. 
that if we get all wound up or the siege mentality or they're all out to get us, I think we just move on to the next game, keep playing our stuff, stay calm. And uh, a little bit on McAlley, you know, uh, I think it's great, the passion. But again, you kind of got to have the passion with the and just make sure we're very, very smart about how we we manage ourselves so that we don't create additional storylines. I guess it, it sounds like Mikel got a little spiky in the in the presser when asked about disciplinary issues, things like that. I mean, look, the the fact of the matter is Mikel Arteta's seen his players get red cards at an alarming rate until this season. That seems to have gone away, right? I, I think some of it was just bad luck. I think some of it was some of the characters that we had. I, I think there are going to be people that say Arsenal are refereed in a different way from other teams. Like, I've tried not to engage in that. I certainly think the reaction in the FA charges and things like that seem unique to Arsenal. All of this stuff is psychological pressure or a psychological benefit, depending on how you manage it and how your players manage it. And I think one of the things that a manager does that makes them special is use these these peripheral aspects to the game, these soft factors, we call them, and and forges them into benefits, into advantages, into edge, right? You're, You're always looking for edge. And just being able to balance whether you're creating edge or you're creating extra unnecessary distraction. That's interesting. Now, look, I think it's worth remembering. Arsenal have been through this cluster, even of Arsenal players, maybe not all of them, but a good cluster of them have been through things in in 40 years of football. No one ever went through. Have they ever had cameras in the dressing room like the all or nothing documentary before? No. Have they ever had a season of COVID football with no fans in the stands? No. I mean, they've, they've been through, really bizarre circumstances. And so the irony is, I think, you know, now they've been through a season with a World Cup right dead smack in the middle of the season. Mikel's had to manage through some of the most unusual things in the history of the game in his short time as a manager. I think things like an FA charge will be easy for him to shrug off and use as, as a psychological benefit. But we will see. It's young players and young players, their emotions can can maybe get the better of them. He says, ironically recognizing that the players who tended to get the, have their emotions get the better of them at Arsenal are players like David Luiz, who are extre- extremely um, experienced. Or sometimes a granite checkup, but not in recent times. Okay. Uh, we we got to get to the derby, but before we do, Clive, um, Mikel was asked about Mudrik, and he gave the Arsene Wenger smirk, is what I'm told. The Arsene Wenger smirk, everybody knows it by now, surely, meaning I'm going to do a madness. The, I'm, I'm about to do a madness smirk. Um, what was that originally for? Was that Ozil? The smirk? The famous yeah, smirk? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I think so. But he does it a lot. Yeah, well, <laughs> this one is about uh, a guy who is, I, I don't know if he's the biggest Arsenal supporter on social media, but he's close. His name is Mikhailo Mudrik. Um, it sure seems like we are closing in on a deal. I think we made a bid in the 70 million range. I have to admit, if I really step back and think about it, I'm sort of astonished at what we're doing here for a player with very little experience, but we believe this is the guy. This is the superstar. We must believe it, considering how far we're willing to go, reportedly willing to go. He's not going to be starting uh, in the Derby, but it looks like it's going to happen. Clive, do you have any sort of quick comments on the latest on the Mudrick front and and the, the seeming appearance of, of Arsenal being ready to plant a flag that this is the guy, this is the player we need? Yeah, it's just it's just a, a player. We're one, we're one wide player short, one wide forward short, and we're going to buy a wide forward. I'm not falling into the, oh my gosh, we're buying a player. It must mean more than when he, when other people get a player. It's just, it's just another player to come into the group that we desperately need. We're playing our front three 90 minutes after 90 minutes. It's not, it's not sustainable, right? So one of the other highlights this week was seeing Smith Rowe come back onto a football pitch because that's going to be, that's something big, you know, and for those, for those of us who've been following his career since before he was a youth, you know, a youth player and when he went to Leipzig, he had injury problems there. And then he, Paul's been following him at Huddersfield. He had injury problems there. Managed to get mm-hmm. through. So finally, that hopefully that's going to be resolved, and we're going to get we're going to get the player that we all know has been bubbling under the surface, and we've seen intermittently. And I think it's just important we think of it that way around. I got if I'm being true to myself, I don't like the numbers. I don't think Arsenal should be paying for the fact that FIFA ripped players out of Shakhtar when the war broke out and now Shakhtar are looking to recoup their money and we're having to pay for that. I don't like yeah. that. Um, but what do I know? I know what I read. 
right? So, um, and, and I read the same numbers that you read, and they vary between 10 million euros, 50 million euros or so. I'm hoping that the base will be around 62 and, and pounds I'm talking here. And then the, I, the balances, they, they are what they are. They're secrets to all of us, right? So, mm. and that keeps the expectations at that level that I hope he can manage and I hope that we can manage as a club and it fits our project, fits how we buy players and the price by which we pay and the ages by which they are. But the most important thing is he fits the dressing room earlier. Forget the money will take care of itself. If we, reali- if we realize our sporting ambitions, we'll be in the right competitions with the right commercial backing that will bring that number down. But also, I will say, there are some sales bubbling up in the club. You know, there are some sales that are that are due. There are people out on loan that are playing. There are also, there's opportunities to make some sales. So I think the true cost of this transfer, whatever number it is, can be set against how we sell, who we sell, when we sell. I think that's going to be really important going forward. Yeah, and one thing that I think is worth keeping in mind, look, we have no, wages are one of the worst, the worst reported details in football. You you don't really know in most cases what the wages are. Um, it's not public information, but there's some rumors that he would be put on like 40,000 a week. And that does two things. First of all, over a few years of a contract, it makes the val- the price of the transfer quite a bit less than a, a another transfer where you have to pay 250 or 300k per week to get a player. We'll talk about one of those players in a moment. Um, the other thing it does is if it doesn't work out, and of course it's going to work out, he's going to be I don't want to say better than Messi, but at least on par. But if it doesn't work out and someone's on 40k per week, you can get 30 or 40 million for someone and recoup some of it and and move on and not have it weigh you down in the way some of our prior moves have because you couldn't offload those players. So we'll see. At this point, we just have to get excited for this player to arrive. We've scouted him. We've talked about him. We've seen him post on social media. I think some people have concerns about the posting, <laughs> about the so, so much posting because, you know... Um, you, you play with the posts, you get the horns. Is that is that the expression? What I mean essentially is it's all well and good when a player is posting about desperate being desperate to come to Arsenal. It's less fun when that player is at Arsenal posting about being desperate to go to Real Madrid or something like that. My bigger concern, ironically, is he's very online. And it's one thing when you're very online at Shakhtar. When you play for Arsenal Football Club and you're 70 million signing and Arsenal's fighting for a title and eventually going to the Champions League, you're going to have bad games. When you have bad games, we know social media can be a not fun place. And I think being that active on social media, you better have a really good sense of yourself and a really strong character because social media will try to break you. Clive? Yeah, I just was thinking as you were talking, um, the numbers do scare me. That's a good thing to do while I'm talking. (laughs) That's how the podcast gets better, I find. The the numbers do scare me because I just don't like the light shining on us. We all see what happened to Pepe, et cetera. But if you do look at our front group, right? You've got Martinelli, what do you cost? Six million quid. Um, Saka costs nothing. Spiffro costs nothing. Eddie Mm -hmm. costs nothing. Mm -hmm. Jesus, 40, 45 mil. For 24, 25 mil when we got him. Four, champ- four championships in the Best background. Best player in the league. We're thinking, yeah, we, yeah, we're thinking striker. Odegaard want to bring that in there, fine. Yep. But then we can afford to buy somebody in the front end of our pitch. Do you mean you can't always make them? You know, and um, N- not and to so, mention, by the way, Oba's wage is gone. Lacazette's wage is gone. Pepe's wage is gone. Willian's wage is gone. Kolasinac's wage is gone. Right? Like, I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of money just going into a sinkhole. So yeah. There is, and uh, the guy, Aubameyang's wages are gone. You know, he's across the road, right? And what, and what's he doing at the moment? They're still and, in Chelsea. His wages are still in Chelsea. They're just not at Arsenal. I mean, yeah, still, still yeah. in, in London. They're just not at Arsenal. Yeah. And and so I, I look at it from a striker's perspective, and I, we, we try to get to six forwards. And um, of those six forwards, I think if you look at the cost of them all, that's really good value. And so we can leverage the fact that we have produced a couple of players who either. Saw Smart and Eddie skillfully, but with Eddie, Saka and Smith-Rowe, all three of them around our front end of our team at the same time, that's, uh, that's unique, right? That's really unique. Yeah, yep, I agree. Well, look, it, it looks like the player is coming. If nothing else, it's exciting. Attacking signings are always exciting. Um, whether they stay exciting for... I mean, I'll take that back. William wasn't exciting from the day we signed him. Now, having said that, 
the guy's playing great right now. <laughs> and, and he leads to leads me into the conversation I want to have next. Before we shift to the to the Derby, Paul, Clive doesn't like doing the schadenfreude, so I, I, I'll leave it to you. Do you know that Joao Felix has now shortened his entire Chelsea Premier League career by 15%? They paid ungodly money. Let's just walk through this for a second. Chelsea paid ungodly money to bring in a player they have no chance of signing in a season where they have no chance of accomplishing anything of merit and have already lost 15% of the time they would have for him. It, it is the perfect storm of hilarity. And, and to make it almost worse, I don't know for them or for anybody else, he looked really good. He was their best player on the pitch before that red card. Best player on the pitch. The talent just jumped off the pitch at you. Let's say he comes back in three games and plays great the rest of the season. What's he going to lead them to? Europa League football? It is the dumbest move. It is just another reminder that Todd Bowley has no idea what he's doing. And I'm wondering how much you enjoyed watching Chow Felix um, help Chelsea lose the derby uh, and contribute to what will be one of their worst seasons in recent memory, uh, thereby only making their their decision to bring him in look more ridiculous. Yeah, it was it was very, very funny. Um, he was by far the best player on the pitch. He was lighting it up. I was like beginning to get my regrets that maybe we hadn't made something happen there. He would have fit in very nicely. He was fitting in very nicely at Chelsea. It's, it's the best Chelsea have looked in a long, long time. Things were starting to click. It started to look like it made sense that suddenly Chelsea were coming to life. And then he uh, does that weird... High time. Uh, you can get away with that stuff, I'm sure, in La Liga or with Simeone on the sideline, but you can't get away with that stuff in the Premier League. Um, gets himself a red card, uh, and like just all of their forward momentum goes into a massive reverse. I, I've enjoyed that game greatly. Um, I don't know who writes the scripts over there, but I'm enjoying <laughs> them this season. Um, it won't last forever. We take, we take our joys a season at a time, a game at a time. Um, he does look like he can help them out and make them better. But by the time he gets back in that team, like a few more results like that, they're slipping so far behind. It's just they're having an unbelievably bad season. It's just... Uh, and like, I was pretty worried about Graham Potter going in there. I think if he'd had a very, very good start and everything had gone well. They could have built quite a nice project around him for the long term. But my first firstest thought on Chelsea is you can't get all of that culture change from somebody like an Abramovich to this uh, uh, investment, uh, American investment organization coming in and all of the changes of people and all of the ways they've worked for two decades under a fairly authoritarian figure and not have all sorts of shit hit the fan. Once you take the lid off, all sorts of things are uh, are going to have to be unwound, changed the cultures internally. We've seen in our uh, it wasn't that huge a change from the world of Arsene Wenger under KSE to our new world, but enough of a change we saw all the issues with it. And I think what I'm pleased and I think has played out is that huge culture change within Chelsea is going to take them a long time, hopefully a couple more seasons. They look terrible, and long may that continue. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? The irony is the reason you wanted Roman gone is because you're like, oh, they'll stop spending, and that will make them worse. The irony is they have started spending more and that has made them worse. It's it's absolutely incredible, Paul. Yeah, so uh, the other aspect of it, of course, we were in for Joao or uh, I love your Chao, Felix. Um, it's not mine. It's, it's all over the internet. And we're chasing the Mudricks here. Um, and there was Bowley uh, flirting with uh, Mudricks, uh, uh uh, I guess their director of football fella from Shakhtar Donetsk or whatever the age, I don't know who it was. And like, it's one more walk of shame from Todd Bowley from a, a transfer he couldn't make happen that he now apparently didn't, never was that interested in. I mean, he's had his Rafinhas, he's had the longest list of public humiliations 
And fair play to him. He keeps showing up for that walk of shame in the morning to get home in his tattered dress from that, uh, that party that went a little awry for him. And he keeps going, plucky fella. Good for him. Good for him. I have to admit, it must have been hard for the, uh, the mainstream media who love a soft foreign player coming to the Premier League and finding out about the blood and thunder and the rough and tumble of the Premier League. And Zhao Felix introduces the Premier League to La Liga. I'm going in, studs <laughs> up over the knee. Let's go. Let's show you what La Liga is all about. Uh, I, we we got to shift gears to the Derby. We got to shift gears to Mikel's press conference. Um, unless, Clive, do you want to partake in, in schadenfreude? I mean, it's it's not usually your cup of tea, and I, I do want to get nah. to the Derby, but I'll give, you, I'll give you a chance to dance on Chelsea's grave. Just a, just a quick moment. No, I, I'm, I don't want to dance in their grave, but I, I do remember a period when, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I've already I've already been to Stanford Bridge this year, and I danced in their grave live and direct in the ground, and it was good enough for live me. and direct. <laughs> so, um, what I will say is, they are interesting, Chelsea, and there was a time when people couldn't see what we were doing. Now, I don't think. Um, Todd Bowley's doing a great job. There's too many things ongoing at the moment. There's too many things to do, too many things they are trying, and there are too many things to fix. Um, but just because they're scattergunning with these young players and trying to and try to pass over the cracks with older players, eventually where they want to get to with their global club model and have pathways to these players that they're buying. I think it could be an interesting place to watch. Will they hold on to it? Will they hold on to their manager? Will they keep the path? Will they allow their identity to change? Or will they react to the Chelsea away fans that were singing for Roman Abramovich and Thomas Tuchel? That's where their test is going to come, right? That is the test of who they are. And it's going to be interesting to see how much bottle they've got to hold the path. We were bottom of the league not too long ago. And uh, so we know how low you can go. If you hold the path, you never know what could happen. So one to watch, mate. I'm not laughing yet. I've got to say, Elliot, Clive is absolutely terrible at schadenfreude. He's the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's, the it's worst schadenfreuder not, not I know. Suit. You, you know, that, you've got your niche, Paul. you got your niche. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, I don't think Potter's going to survive it. And I, I hope he doesn't. And I don't mean that because, like, I, I don't really have any will against Potter. I really liked Potter, but the reason I hope he doesn't survive it is I think he's quite a talented coach. And if he doesn't survive it, I think it's a good sign. It's a good sign that the club doesn't have the backbone, the willingness to to go through a process. Because to do what Correct. we did, the, the single biggest credit you can give to our club, I think, is the they held their nerve through the crucible into which this team was formed, right? Forged. Um as Clive said, and like, and if Chelsea don't do that, it's a good sign. So I, I find just restating Clive's points is the best way to sound intelligent myself. Um, okay, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna shift gears to to the derby. Um, and, and Mikel Mikel said it best in his pre match press conference. We know what it means. We know what it means. And this one's got a lot of spice on it, and we'll get to that in a moment. You know what doesn't have a lot of spice? AG1 from Athletic Greens. It's not a spice. It's 75 high-quality nutrition. Nutritions. Nutrigen? How come I can't say the word nutritions? Is that the word, Clive? Is that a word? Nutritions? What are you asking me for? Adaptogens. <laughs> well, that, that's clearly not a word. They made that up. But nu, nu, nutrients. That's oh, the word. That's Gosh. the word. Nutritionists. It's, it's got nutrients. It also has nu, nutritions. And adaptogens. You know what we're going to do? Multiple choice. Make up a word that sounds like it's an AG1, and we'll put it. We'll have them put it in there for you. Look, I take this stuff. It's brilliant. You want to know how a man uh, in my age and my state can go to London for 36 hours and still be functional? It's because I'm putting things in my body that are good for me. That's right, and you should You're be quite too. The advertisement for it. I don't, well, yeah. You know what? I am. I am. I am what peak condition looks like, he says, scaring people away from the sponsor. Um, AG1 is for recovery. It's for gut health. It's for energy. It's for vitality. It's for aging. Not doing the aging, the reverse of that. I, I took it. My, my biggest reason for going to it, and I actually started taking it before they, they were sponsor, uh, a sponsor, a doctor talked to me about it for a gut health reason. Um, it's a micro habit. It delivers macro benefits. And 
Yeah, it, it gives you all the key nutrients that you need without gummies, vitamins. Just think about this. If you have a shelf of different gummies and vitamins and supplements and things that you're taking, you can get rid of all of that, one scoop of this in water every day, plus you'll, you'll drink a cup of water, which is healthy for you. It's less than the, the cost of an expensive cup of coffee. It's keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, all that stuff. So it works with all of your different lifestyles. Here's what you got to do. You got to do it now. It's a comprehensive solution. It's what you need from your supplement routine, the athletic greens. Uh, they're giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash vision. That's athleticgreens.com slash vision. Check it out. Do it now. Athleticgreens.com slash vision. Hey, you know what else you need in your life? You need an e-commerce store. Did you wake up this morning and you're like, you know, I really feel like I need an e-commerce store. Maybe you didn't, but you, I command you. I command you to create an e-commerce store and engage in e-commerce. It is the least you can do for society. You mu Look, look, think about it this way. What happens if you don't have an e-commerce store? You don't engage in e-commerce. You, you literally can't engage in e-commerce without an e-commerce store. Did you know that? 100% of people who don't have an e-commerce store are not engaged in e-commerce. But here's an interesting thing. 100% of people who have an e-commerce store are engaged in e-commerce. This is literally the, 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 the copy they sent me. I'm kidding. This is nonsense. Pablum. This is absolute pablum. Why are you even listening to this? You know why you're listening? Because you need Shopify. Let me tell you about it, okay? I have built multiple Shopify stores. My wife has gotten into baking. She wants to sell her baked goods. Where are we building the store? With Shopify. When we wanted to sell merch before I found out that there's such a thing as sales tax and that can be a problem. We built our store on Shopify. Some things I love about it. First of all, they do all the payment processing for you. They will do all of the... Um, the drag and drop design so you can make it look super professional. There are companies that are billion dollar global companies and their e-commerce store, you know what it's on? It's on Shopify. You can sell on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, uh, on Facegram, on Instapost, on FaceTalk, Twitter book, all of them. You can, you, can, you can sell on all of those, even the real ones. Um, it is such an easy to use platform. And it take, you know what it takes away? It takes away the little minutia of trying to run a business that you shouldn't have to be an expert in. So you can just focus on being like, wow, my site looks pretty and people can buy from me. And it looks so professional. That's the key. Because I think when people want to buy something on the internet, they'll look at the site and they'll be like, is this professional? It is. And it, by the way, it'll let you use Apple Pay and Google Pay and PayPal and all that stuff. It'll plug that in so people can shop easily. Do it now. Uh, here's what you're going to get. You sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash arsenalvision, all lowercase. I didn't know the internet was case sensitive. Shopify.com slash arsenalvision. Go to shopify.com slash arsenalvision and start selling today. Shopify.com slash arsenalvision. Clive! Is that enough of that? Indeed. Nailed it! I, you know that, I don't want to say that was the perfect set of ad reads. Like, cause perfect, you never, you never arrive, as I, as I always say. It's like one of my big sayings. You never arrive, but I, I arrived. Let's be honest. Um, I arrived. I arrived. There's another way of saying I arrived, but if you say that, you have to be on a different channel and you have to put a warning for people under 18. So I arrived. Um, everybody know what I'm talking about? Innuendo? Okay, good. Clive, Mikel called it, you know, the biggest game. He said, he, we know what it means. Tottenham have their shiny new stadium, but they're staring up at Arsenal the way they should be. They're coming off a pretty big win. We know who they are and what they're going to do. We know the kind of football they're going to play. What does the Derby mean for you right now? Especially the away Derby, especially given how the away Derby, let's just say it, wrecked the beautiful season we were trying to complete last season. Yeah, it, it, it was just, it was a culmination, shall we say, so, of us creaking. So I'm trying not to make it about this point in time. I did, I did feel at the time that we didn't need to win it, and we we tried very hard to chin them, and we didn't need to. And um, so that I think our approach this year will be a little bit more mature, and um, I think we're better. I just looked at the team that we had that day, and the state of the players that we had that day, and. We didn't have Thomas Party. We didn't have Ben White playing where he plays. We didn't have Saliba. We didn't have Zinchenko. And by the way, there's a fantastic article by Sam Dean today on Zinchenko and his influence in his team. And these are majorly influential players. Playing off the front three will be the same, but they're a year older, right? And a year more experience and with a year more authority, belief, and confidence. So 
I feel we're in a good place to control the aspects of the game we want to control. And if we do that, we can control the temperature and the emotion of the game. I mean, it's very important that we do that. I think Tinchenko and Party and the new Granite Shako, they're controllers now. They control the game by position or what they do on the ball. Obviously, Odegaard's just been named Premier League Player of the Month today. We all know about his ascension and his influence as he's now the captain of the team. Happy for my boy Odes, by the way. Yeah. My, my boy I'm Odes. surprised he didn't tell you he had the award the other day, but there you go. No, he, he did. He let me hold it. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah. <laughs> Stop it, Paul. Don't, don't go there. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to talk football. I'm trying to talk football. And so, and so basically, we have a situation where I feel we are, we are far more influential on the football pitch. That's what, what counts. They're going to, if I'm Spurs, I would try to rattle us. The press are trying to rattle us. They're going to try to rattle us. Can they get us to 10 men? Can they get under Gabriel? Can they get under Granite Xhaka? Can they get around these people? I think it's very important we stay calm and move the football around, you know, and be really aggressive on and their back line, particularly away from home. Our away from home performances have been brilliant this year. Absolutely brilliant. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for the game without feeling overconfident because the derby does tend to have a very distinct flow to it of late. The home team does well. But being around the Arsenal people this week and seeing the excitement in their eyes to go to the game, no one feeling confident, just everyone just feeling excited. And I think that's got to be the emotion that we hold on to. There is no pressure. We should be excited for these games because we're good. We're balanced. The issue is depth and managing injury in a crucial position. That's the injury. Sorry, that's the issue. And if we can do that, and we've still got time to do that this month, we're going to be fine. We're going to be the best version of ourselves. And I am not remotely worried about the game because the outcome, what I'm what I'm pleased about, um, guys, is we have a consistent level of performance. And so if the performance is good, and the performance is good versus Manchester United, eventually we're going to get the results that we need on a more consistent level against the very best teams. And so far this year, our performance levels have been incredibly consistent. And that's all I want to see continue on a, at the weekend. If that happens, I'll be cool. Obviously, if we win, I won't be so cool. I'll be very, very, very excited. <laughs> and uh, and uh, no doubt that'll come out on the instant reaction that we're going to do on Sunday, right? So I'm looking forward yeah, to that day. I, I, I am very much looking forward to that as well. I mean, presuming that it goes the way you've just described. Um, a, a few things from the presser, by the way. M- Mikel's... Comments on Jesus, I, I think they're a bit of a wet blanket. He's still a, a long way off. Um, the exact quote, he's in the right place in terms of the time we set for him, but he's still a bit far. I'd like to see him very quickly, but I don't think it's going to happen. Let's see. So I don't think that means there's a setback or anything, but I just think there had been a moment there where I think people were allowing themselves to let let hope in that it might be earlier. It doesn't look like it. One thing I will also say on Saka, we went from he's fine, Saka's fine, to I think he will be okay. Now, Mikel has been coy in the past on injuries to try to keep the other team guessing, so maybe that's a little bit of that. But I think he will be okay as not. He's fine. Um, so that that's something to bear in mind. But Mikel on the Derby, I just love it. One of the biggest games of the season. We know what it means. Paul, I think Arsenal are the better football team. And I think we saw Arsenal go into the away Derby last season. Set aside who the players were, just for a second, okay? Because I, I know that was the crux of it, but set that aside. I think we saw an Arsenal go into the away derby and let the scale of the occasion overwhelm them and and take control for them. Now, to be fair, the the, the penalty, I think, triggered that because we were playing the better football to start that game. But if we manage the emotion of the occasion, I think we are the better team and I think our football will prevail. What do you see as the, the sort of key components to doing what has not been done in a very, very long time, which is winning the the derby away? Yeah, well, I think one of the things that helps you manage those emotions is a good start. And I don't know if we'll have a good start, but we'll have a fast start. And those things can be very closely related. Um, and like in general, that's what we do at, ho- at home or away from home, um, using Ramsdale's distribution to get down the pitch quickly. Um, I think Zinchenko, White... Uh, like what I love about going into this game is it sounds, apart from Gabriel Jesus, it sounds like we've got basically a fully fit team. Like I don't believe the Saka stuff. Saka's uh, indestructible. Um, the, there's nothing wrong with that boy. He's going to be raring to go. He's going to be in great shape. Um, 
the, if you tell me that basically our 11 is fit and firing, like I, that's all I can ask for. Um, I think we go into this game in a really good state of mind, really good shape, um, guarantees you nothing, but at least it guarantees you, you you can perform. And I think the fact that we start fast and the fact that they build from the back and that's ab- like nobody goes shorter than these guys playing out from the back, putting themselves under pressure, which is their way of playing. Then they keep short passes in their final, sorry, in their defensive third, uh, doubling up the, uh, come on, show us what you got mentality they have. Well, I think we've a really good chance to show them what we've got. It suits mm. us perfectly to be pressing them in their uh, defensive third. And I think with Zinchenko in there, uh, zipping the ball around, I think it's a delicious matchup that gives us a really good shot at winning a game against the head, which generally is not the case. Like We need to have the realistic expectation that the home side wins all of these and gets the decisions. But this is one I think we've a really good shot at. I think it sets up really well for us with our, and it leads into us playing our game of attacking, pressing, counter pressing, quick, quick uh, counter attacks in their uh, defensive third. And the other thing we do is we sit back into our shape pretty well when we've got things under control and uh, the the main issue you got to watch with Spurs is their transitions. We we become so much better at uh, managing other teams' transitions against us. I think Zinchenko in particular is a big add to that. We don't think of him defensively, but we also know that he's particularly good at jumping forward, snuffing things out, being alert to it, very much the Man City game, very much what he's showed for us. And a big part of stopping Spurs is watching those transitions between him and Ben White, I think we're, uh, and Party, I think we're going to be very front-footed in snuffing that out too. Um, guarantees us nothing, except I think we've a really good shot at it. Mm. Um, I'm sure there's something left for you there, Clive. Uh, that you will that you will pick up on um yeah that 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 just about covers it so we'll see it no um i think uh, by the way from conte a couple of things uh it sounds like kulishevsky is going to be okay uh for this game which is unfortunate because i think he's actually quite a good player um and we'll be playing in behind zinchenko there Yep. Now we should have yep. bought him. That, that was the one player I felt we should have yep. got last January. That well, was can, can we be clear about, about something? Like, they had the whole Juve sporting director. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that. Link there. And, um, and, that, and they haven't bought him yet, by the way. They haven't bought him yet, by the way. He's on loan. Yeah. Right? So, you'll, like, um, you'll like this, by the way. Conte on Arsenal's consecutive FA charges, quote, to intimidate and create a bad atmosphere is not fair. I hate the people who try to do it. Lol. <laughs> Dude got banned for match fixing. Do you hate that? Do you hate the people that call the actual game into disrepute? Just asking questions, bro. Uh, Clive, please continue. Uh, no, I just um, yeah, uh, even more so now. Maybe it's my sort of coaching head on. It's about focusing on the football. It really exactly executing under pressure. Focus on the football. The, the control aspect. Control the game. What Spurs are going to do is what they always do. And we all laugh as Arsenal fans. They have four or five injuries before the North London derby. And every time they miraculously come back, particularly for the away game. So Bentacore will be back. I'm surprised they don't resurrect Richarlison, by the way. I bet he comes back, right? So Kulisewski was always going to play. Pesuma was not playing in the last few games. So he'll be available. They'll have everybody available. And all that does, it leads into the confidence they have when they're at home. So back to starting fast. We'll start to our normal way, but I think it's important that last year I felt we really started fast, but we didn't have the control. We were still mm-hmm. vulnerable as they could play through us. We didn't have the defensive um, security that we've got now. We haven't didn't have the runners at the back end of the pitch that were fit and available that we have now. And we didn't have the one lineup counter press that Paul was talking about earlier. And we've got the energy in the top end of the pitch. So I feel we have more layers to the team, we have more places to start attacks and I feel more secure we can stop attacks. Right. So 
I think they walked into the game last time with real confidence that they were catching us at a bad time. We were signposting weakness and injury, and they stomped all over us, right? Um, but this time, they are hopeful. And they are hopeful they're not going to feel pain. And I've done my little bit of research around the Spurs world, and they are hopeful. And they are talking about draws. And when you talk about draws, you're really saying, we might get beat, but I can't say we're going to get beat. I'm going to predict a draw, mm. you know? And um, mm. because you're a fan, right? You don't want to predict a defeat. So it's up to us, really, to be nice and cool and then go through it. And by the way, a draw is not the worst thing in the world. It's not the worst thing in the world in the context of the whole season. It really isn't. We've got, we got Maynard United at home. If you told me four from six, I'll take it. I'll take it right now. I really would. You have to think about the longevity, the whole season. The most important thing is you don't lose anything more than the game. You don't have a stupid sending off that costs you in, in May United. You lose a player. You, if if you drop a couple of points, you just drop a couple of points and you move on. Right? So you go again. So stay calm, everybody. It's just a game of football. Yeah, I guess it's interesting, right? Because we won the league at White Hart Lane. I don't know if anybody knows that, uh, but we did. And, you know, we can't win the league this game. But this is this is one of the games that could theoretically keep us from winning the league. And winning it, oh, man, it, it, I'm not going like, to say it's going to, you know, it would be, we'd win the league if we if we win it. But it would go a long way to making that feel... Very possible. To well, the extent is, that, you know, I mean, it already feels, yeah. Yeah, it feels possible. Also, City United on Saturday morning, right? So so the picture by Sunday morning will look different. We know who's dropped points, potentially, of those Good two. Mm-hmm. Because May United don't sleep on them, right? They're on the way. I know they're not beating anybody in the last five games. They're beating teams in the bottom five of the league. But they're building momentum. So if they if they draw that game, we walk into this game thinking, actually... A draw is not the worst thing in the world. However, if we win, we extend. And so the picture on Friday afternoon versus the picture on Sunday morning could look a lot different and it could drive a lot of um, the soft factors you were speaking to earlier on, Elliot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul, like the, the, whole, the whole idea of this being, you know, being a game that determines our season, like I, I'm not going to go that far, although maybe I have a little bit, but, but I think... It's a game that is is going to, I think, to some extent, determine the ceiling for this team, if that makes sense. Like, if the title is realistic in this sense. They're a very talented counterattacking team, and I think that that is an approach that can have success against us. If we are able to cut out the counterattacks, I don't see them living with our, you know, our pressing and possession-based football. For us to live with the counterattacks, Saliba has to be back to something approaching what we're used to. For me, that's one of the one of the big, big, things to keep an eye on this game you know a Saliba that looks more confident and composed and, and back to pre-World Cup Saliba is is that the key handle handle the counterattacks and get a, a more composed Saliba game and, and the rest should fall into place um I still think it's our the front half of the pitch that is the key to handling the counterattacks if you give them space you give players like Kane and Son the chance to run at your back line so it's really about your Zinchenko's, Martinelli, uh, Odegaard, all of those guys, Ben White, being in, being in their spots, hitting their spots, and the team kind of clicking together against those counterattacks. You, you don't want the guy feeding Kane or Kane feeding whoever um, or the outball out to Kulisevsky having time. Yeah. If you put lots of pressure on them, by the time it gets to Kane, uh, Ma- Gabriel Magliash or Saliba will be primed to hit them and take the ball off them. And that's absolutely... Look, uh, Saliba's going to be lick- licking his chops to show that he's on it, that he's ready, that he's focused. I'm less concerned in a game like this. Like, this could be the perfect tonic, and I think it will be for Saliba and Gabriel at the back. I think they're going to be ready for this, rubbing their hands, and as long as the guys ahead of them are hitting their spots, I think defensively we're going to handle the transitions pretty well. There there will be a phase in this game. There'll be some moments in this game where uh, Spurs get the run of it and, and get at us. But I don't think 
there shouldn't be too many of them. And I think defensively, we're so good at maintaining shape and making sure the opposition gets little time on the ball. And then defensively, within the box, we've got some big uh, defensive uh, headers of the ball. We're far better than we were a few years ago at clearing our box, clearing the ball. Uh, We've got some reasonable lumps in midfield with Xhaka and Partey uh, for heading clear in the box and heading around our area. Um, there will be times when we need to do that. They'll be looking for set pieces, corners, get get Kane's noggin on the, on the ball. Um, <clears throat> I think we have enough in all departments. The, the one piece you never control is just the randomness of football, the big decisions, the, the, the True, pressure yeah. of the moments. Um, but I think we're, like football-wise, I think we're well positioned for this game. I'm not worried. Well said. Well, I mean, I am worried, <laughs> but I, I think we are well positioned. I think it's weird. Like in a weird way, the Newcastle game seems to have taken some wind out of sails, but we were still the much better team against Newcastle. They just have a very, very good defense. I actually don't think Spurs have a very good defense. I think what they have is a uniquely talented front three, and they know how to get the ball to those players in dangerous positions. And if we can, I, I think, Paul, you've nailed it, actually. I, I think if we can deny the supply lanes, the supply lines, that they'll start to sink deeper to try to cover. They'll get hemmed in. And then it's just a matter of time before, you know, the ceiling caves in on them. And by the way, that's how the game was sort of playing out early last season, the away game, before the penalty, um, is that they were starting to get pinned back deeper than I'm sure they wanted to be. And that was with a not great Arsenal team. Um it's a it's an interesting contrast in styles, and I think the irony is we have two games back to back that I think really define our season in a way because they're two teams that whatever their weaknesses are, they're excellent on the counter, and we're going to give you some space to exploit that if you can. Clive is a fi- final final point. I I am always reluctant to predict good things in this fixture because it's very very rare that they happen. I think there's something special about this season and about this group, and I think we play the better football, and I think. If we avoid the the bad breaks, right, the the refereeing decision you can't avoid, and I think we might, I think we're going to take this one. I, I think, I, I you know, I don't know what will happen the rest of the season, but I think the good football is gonna is gonna prevail in this game. Um, I have a good feeling for it, which is scary, but it's where I'm at. Give me, if not a prediction, just a sort of summary of how you see it playing out. Okay, I, I think it's going to be about who controls the game. If I'm Spurs, I would try to press us. I would press us really aggressively and, and make us go long. Don't let us get comfortable in the ball in the middle of the pitch. If you do that, you could be in real trouble. So press us, make us go long, make us play second phase, make us fight Hoiberg for the second ball. You know, and I, But if you let Odegaard get it, turn around, get comfortable, start having 50 touches, then, mate, you're in trouble. If you stand next to him... Pai will get it. If you stand next to him, Tinchenko will get it. So someone's, you've got to stop, you can't stop them all, right? The only way you can stop them all is by dropping deep and bingo, we're in, we're in, we're in then, aren't we? We're in, we're where you want to be. So, so yeah, I'm not sure Spurs can sustain the effort up top um, to press. Son is not the same Son, you know, and um, I thought it always turned on for this game. And Harry Kane is two goals, well, one goal off Jimmy Greaves' record. And so he's probably looking to do that in North London Derby and create an iconic moment. So you're going to have to watch him really, really tightly. Would uh, love for that to happen in this game as the consolation <laughs> to a 4-1 loss. Yeah, and they yeah, always have to remember it that way. <laughs> they, have to re- they have to replay that moment. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, for my own heart and my own blood pressure, I just want to see our controlling players have good controlling games. And I think we saw against Oxford Without our ball progression controllers playing, it took a it took a little bit away. I know it's a different occasion, you know what I mean. But it took a little bit away. If they're back and rested, which they will be, um, I really have a good feeling about our performance, and the result will be what it is. And and maybe just maybe Emil Smith Rowe plays plays a little role, has a little role to play in this game. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, you know, you think about him coming back, Boxing Day two seasons ago, changing the trajectory of the season, the role he played there. This is a chance for him to really come back and and make make a meaningful difference. So keep an eye out for that. All right. Uh, I'm not going to ask you guys for score predictions. 
I don't want to do that. I don't want you to be the jinx if it if it doesn't go right, and I don't want you to get the glory if it does go right, because I can't, God knows I can't live with that. We'll leave it there. We will have an instant reaction. We may have something after City United. Um, I'm going to think about that, but love you so much. What th- This fixture just, you know, people are like, oh, you should stay in London for the for the derby, I'm like Tottenham away. I don't. I don't know that I'm ready for. That. I don't know that I'm ready for that. T- Tim has put the fear in me. He's like, it's not a fun fixture. I hate it. I don't like going to it. To those of you who are going to it, I wish you luck. I hope it is a, a celebratory occasion. Stay those safe. Of you watching around the world, yeah, stay safe. For those of you watching around the world, also stay safe. But also, I hope it's. I hope it's a beautiful day. We'll talk to you on the instant reaction. Then again next week on the main pod. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Next pause. Woohoo! Clive's on Twitter. Clive PFC. Then Clive. Thank you very much. My name is Alex Smithy Bachman. Twitter Yankee Gunner. We love you. And for the love of God, we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, Spurs nil.